Well, good morning. Again, we're thankful that you are here. We're thankful for all those who are present in the auditorium with us and, of course, feel comfortable being here and able to join us as we worship here together. Uh, we're thankful for all those who are joining us online as we continue to say. My family in particular has been particularly thankful for that, for that avenue as we've had to be away for a couple of weeks. You know, I was noticing as we were at home that at times if we were watching on Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, there was about 10 different folks that were showing as viewing at the same time, and on, on YouTube, there was about 15 or so people showing viewing at, at one time. But of course, you know in our house, we were counting as one particular view, one particular person, but there were six of us in our house. So if we do a little bit of math and we uh, carry the four and, and round up, that probably means there's about 6,000 people watching, right, every Sunday, Sunday morning, just our services. So it might be the preacher counting just a little bit. We can do it even when it comes to online views. Don't worry. We can, we can stretch it just a little bit. But we're thankful for that avenue. We're thankful that you're here, and we appreciate the opportunity to be able to worship together. We're especially thankful to our visitors who are in our midst today, and we hope that you are benefited by our study together for just a few moments. You know, it is the time of year where we talk about seasons, and we talk about the season, season of, of giving, the season's greetings, and those kinds of things, but, but I'd like to submit to you this morning that while those things are true, and it is a, a holiday in which we share some holly jolly spirits, you might say, that sometimes it's simply a, a season of stuff, if, if we're being really honest. Now, we enjoy giving, and we enjoy receiving. There's nothing wrong, of course, with, with buying things. There's nothing wrong with receiving gifts. But, but if we're honest, and I looked up the number at one point earlier in the week, and I forgot to jot it down, but, but it's certainly in the B billions of dollars that are spent every year in advertising just around the time of, of course, beginning in October into November and certainly in December to try to get us to buy more stuff. Now, most of us, I would say, are probably uh, thankful to be able to give. It's not about necessarily accumulating as much stuff as we can, but we enjoy giving. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But certainly sometimes it becomes about the stuff. Just this past week, Hannah and I ran out to the Hamilton Place area. I always say I'll never go in December and November sometimes out towards Hamilton Place. And bless all of you who have to drive out there every day maybe. But it's, it's quite crazy around this time of year. The last accident that I almost had, which would have been my fault, was a couple of years ago at Christmas time out near Hamilton Place. And I did the wrong thing in turning too soon. But, you know, it's, it's awful crazy out there because we get caught up in our stuff. I thought it was appropriate maybe that this morning we think about another word, another word that we could consider along this idea. And again, I, I don't mean to be a Scrooge or a humbug about the season of giving, but at the same time as we think about the fact that we will be giving and receiving things and stuff, maybe there's something else that we should consider when it comes to our stuff. When we think about our things, there's usually three philosophies or three ideas of ownership, if you will, when it comes to our stuff. The first one is a word that we don't like to talk about very much, but it is the idea of communism. All three of these will start with the letter C, but one of the ideas of ownership is the idea of communism. Communism states, in a general sense, that it is the state that controls all of the stuff, all of the things. And so it is the states to own and the states to control all of the stuff in the world that we have. A second one that's commonly referred to that we're a little more familiar with and happy about is capitalism. 
Capitalism is the idea, of course, that man is in charge of his own stuff and man owns whatever he can accumulate. That's what we try to live by here in our country today, the idea of capitalism. And so as much as we can accumulate, and it shouldn't be all about that, but that is the idea, of course, behind capitalism. But the idea that we'd like to consider this morning, I'll offer a third one to you, and that is the idea of Christianity. Christianity says it's God's stuff. That it's not the state that owns everything. It's not man necessarily that owns everything. But God possesses the world and everything in it. And man is still involved, but man is responsible to God for how man uses those things that are, that is, that are God's. We're not worried about communism this morning. We're not worried about even capitalism. But if we think about Christianity which I believe you're here this morning and many are viewing online because they're at least interested in if you are not a Christian this morning, what does that say about our stuff and who truly owns it? If you have a bulletin in front of you, we're going to be talking about stewardship. You've already seen that title. Let's not just think about a season of stuff this morning, but let's consider the idea of the season maybe of stewardship. Now, we might be confused by this word from time to time. When you hear the word of steward, you might think that that's something we don't use very often. Sometimes it's uh, used to describe a lowly servant. We hear steward and we think of a, a servant, a lowly servant. Sometimes it's used to describe people who, who care for other people's things, like on planes maybe, who looks after passengers. Sometimes it's one who supplies food to others. That's what we think of when we use the word steward or hear it because we don't really use it that often if we're being honest. So it would benefit us to try to really understand that word and, of course, primarily to think of what the Bible has to say about it. Stewardship. We sometimes like to point out what the Bible has to say and, and the wording and the exact words and the word, the Greek word that's used for steward is here on the screen, oikonomos is the word. And it's actually two words, a compound word put together. The first part is oikos, that describes the word house. And the second word is namas, which describes the word of arranging. So it literally means a house arranger. Now, when you think of the idea of steward, not all stewards take care of houses, as we think about like the idea of a plane or passengers, but you understand the concept behind what the Bible means. Literally, a house arranger. So that's what we're talking about or beginning to talk about when we think about this idea of stewardship. But let's go further. Because there are several instances in the Bible, in particular several parables, that Jesus tells that we want to look at to help us really understand. Because I'm afraid stewardship would fall into one of those categories where we hear it and we always say, well, that's not me. I, I'm not sure what that word means. I don't know exactly what Jesus is talking about. But that has nothing to do with us in the 21st century. But of course we understand that it does and it would benefit us to understand what it means and we'll talk about that towards the end of our lesson as well. First of all this morning we would notice three things about stewardship. Number one, stewardship involves oversight. In Luke chapter 19 in verse number 13 or beginning about verses 11 and 12, Jesus is telling the parable of the minas. We looked at Luke last year as part of our Lads to Leaders program. Our children memorized pretty much and studied the book of Luke for the Bible Bowl that we ended up not, of course, getting to do as the convention was canceled this year. But we talked about the parable of the minas. Beginning in about verse 12, Jesus says, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Verse 13, 
So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, which was described to be each worth about three months' salary. And the master said to them, Do business till I come. Do business till I come. He gave them oversight. Each one received about three months' worth of salary, one mina, and he told them, Do business till I come. So they had oversight. We understand that. No matter the job that you may hold or have held in jobs you may have held in the past, we are given oversight of certain things. They're ours to care for, to watch over. Our bosses expect us to take care of those things. You know, we do the same thing with our children. We begin from a young age, some of us, to give them pets and things, to watch over and to learn responsibility, to have oversight over something. So when the Bible talks about stewardship, we would notice, first of all, that it involves oversight of something. The nobleman or the master giving to these servants, and they're going to have oversight of that minor. Number two, we would notice that it deals with other people's property, other people's things oftentimes. In Luke chapter 16, you go back a few pages in your Bible, maybe in Jesus is telling another parable. The parable, and the Bible that you're using may give the title, the parable of the unjust steward. You may see that word used there. And he begins there. There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to the rich man that this steward was wasting his goods. Well, whose goods was the steward wasting? He was wasting the rich man's goods because he had oversight of that. Oftentimes in the Bible, we think about this idea of stewards that they're looking over other people's things. Go back to our three philosophies for just a moment. When it comes to stewardship, we must understand, we must remember, it belongs to God. What is it? Everything. All of it belongs to God. Psalm chapter 50, verses 10 through 12. The psalmist says, For every beast of the forest is mine, says the Lord, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. God says it's all mine. Everything that we have, it belongs to God. One of the first principles that we can learn about stewardship is we need to remember that stewardship involves other people's property. So if we are to be good stewards, it's not ours. It belongs to God. And that begins to lay the foundation as we think about our stuff and the things that we have. Stewardship involves other people's properties. But as we think about stewardship, let's notice lastly for this particular introduction of understanding the word that it involves other ideas and not just money. Now, if we're honest, nine times out of ten, the lesson on stewardship is talking about money. And a lot of times it will deal with giving. And we've talked about giving recently in our worship. And so we're not going to harp on that this morning. But we hear the lessons on stewardship. Well, the preacher's going to talk about how we need to give more money or we need to take care of our money. But notice when we think about stewardship from the Bible, it's not just about money. In fact, these parables that we were looking at just a moment ago, the parable of the unjust steward in Luke chapter 16. In Luke 16, in verse number 6, that unjust steward... He calls his master's creditors, and the first one he asks about oil. 
Then in the second time, the second person that he calls, in verse number 7, he calls about wheat. Now, that kind of translates to money when we think about business dealings, but that's not exactly only that he's talking about. In Titus chapter 1, in verse number 7, elders are told to be stewards of God. What do the elders look over, oversight, that is not theirs? The church. Church doesn't belong to the eldership. The church doesn't belong to the preacher. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. The church belongs to God. Elders are to be stewards, have oversight of someone else's thing, and it's not just about the money, although certainly that is a part of it, even as we've had an opportunity to give here today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1, Paul would write to those who were teachers of the word. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 uses the phrase, stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, slight interjection, I've told you that I've been teaching the prison epistles, and Paul talks all throughout those about the mystery of God. We don't have to be afraid of that word because it's not something that can't be known, but he's talking about the teachings of God. And so when we see that, we don't have to worry, but we need to understand that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. So it's not just about our money, but it's about those who would be teachers of the word. It is about everything. I don't know any other way to say it. Everything. The shirt that you're wearing this morning right now belongs to God. The shoes on your feet, the car that you drove, the food that you've already eaten today and the food that you'll eat here in just a few moments. Everything belongs to God. The electricity that we use and, and the water, all of these things are gifts from God, and it's not just about our money. If we really want to understand the concept of stewardship, we're going to understand that it deals with all of these things as we as stewards have oversight of other people's things. And of course, ultimately, we're talking about the stuff that belongs to God. So next, let's consider what we might be stewards over very quickly. Six things that, that I think you'd already think of. Let's begin, first of all, by talking about wealth, okay? We've already said usually the lesson is about, is about money, so let's touch on it for just a moment. What are we stewards over then? This is not going to be a completely exhaustive list, but it will begin to give you an idea. Number one, our wealth. Do you remember in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 8, 1 Timothy 5, 8, Paul writes to Timothy and says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, your version may say, or an infidel, an unbeliever, the person who will not take care of his own. God commands, think about it this way for just a minute, God commands us to care for our own. God commands us to give to the church, to give back to God. God commands us to care for those who are less fortunate, those who are needy. And God has given us a way to do that. He's given us means by which we can accomplish all of those things. And it might help us if we would consider God a part, a joint partner in our checking account, in our bank account. Oftentimes we have a joint account, maybe we share with a spouse do you consider God as a, a partner, a part of that bank account? It might help us if we consider that. I don't know how many of you have ever been through financial training of any sort, someone like Dave Ramsey or others who offers their advice, and, and they'll talk about the fact that if you want to be in control of your finances, you and your spouse need to be on the same page. You've got to talk about things. Have you ever included God in that? Many of those folks will encourage you to do that. They'll encourage you to talk to your spouse, but also to pray to God about it. 
But he has given us our wealth. Now you may say, it doesn't feel like very much wealth sometimes, I understand that. But he has given us things. He's commanded us to care for our own, to give back to him, to at least help the needy. If he commands us to do that, he's given us enough to do that. So we're good stewards and should be good stewards over our wealth. Number two, our health. Now, once again, some of us say, mine's not so good most of the time. I understand. You know, we, we all start to run down a little bit more as we grow older. But he's given us a measure of health we sometimes pray for. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? He goes on, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And Paul includes in there by inspiration, which are God's. Same concept, continuing on. Even though that passage may not be solely about stewardship, they do not belong to us. Do we care for them in that way as we think about our body and our health? I'm not here to tell you that the Bible provides some type of weight limit or some type of blood pressure or some type of standard that we must meet to know that we're caring for our body. But the point is, is that God has given us a mind, we're going to come to that in just a minute, that we can comprehend and know and understand. And most of us can be honest and maybe say, I'm not the best at taking care of myself, but I'm taking care of myself enough that I can take care of others, that I can help others. I'm being a good steward of the body which God has given me, which belongs to Him. I'm going to ask you each time, are you a good steward of your wealth? Are you a good steward of your health? Number three, what about the abilities that He has given to us? We think about Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 verses 4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body, as we think about the church, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. We have abilities. We love the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? The, the eye, the ear, the hand, the foot. We can't say that we have need of that we don't have need of someone else. We must all work together. Have you been guilty before of having a pity party for yourself? Maybe saying, I, I can't do it. There's, there's nothing I can do. I have nothing to offer. God has blessed each one of us with abilities. Maybe you can't public speak in the way that you, you feel is the best. Maybe you can't lead singing in a public fashion. But there are certainly things that you can do. Abilities. We visited with Son and Brenda just for a few moments yesterday. And out in front of their house was a ramp. Simple ramp that was built by a couple of folks. Who all they said was, I can do this. I, I can't preach maybe. I can't lead singing maybe. But I can, I can build. I can build a ramp for someone who's in need of that. And many folks can do little things like that with the abilities that God has given us. Are we being a good steward? Number four, what about the opportunities? Many of us have the abilities, but we don't take advantage of them and the opportunities that we have. 24 hours a day. We're all blessed with it. Extrapolate the math out. How many years that we have? How many minutes we have? We're all blessed with 24 hours a day. How do you spend it? I think we've gotten a little worse myself included, wasting time sometimes, the opportunities that lie in front of us. We're guilty of that. There's so much in front of us. There's televisions, there's phones, there's, there's things that we can sort of do mindlessly from time to time. And we need that from time to time, some downtime. But what about the opportunities that lie in front of us? God has given us 24 hours a day. He's given us time. Do you take time to study? Do you take time to pray? 
Do you take time to be with your family? God has blessed us with needy people, those who are less fortunate, those who need things. They're out there. We know that. God has blessed us with that. Do we take advantage of that opportunity to help those people who are in need? God has blessed us with lost souls. Oh, he's blessed us with lost souls, a world in need of the gospel. I heard a preacher when I was very young, probably the first year I was a youth minister uh, down in Florence, Alabama, who said, we do not need to pray for opportunities because they're there. We need to pray for the courage to take advantage of those opportunities. God has given us opportunities. Are we being good stewards of those opportunities? Number five, what about our mind? I told you we'd come back to it. You may recall the commercial from many years ago, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. A mind is very valuable. And it's awful to think about people wasting their mind. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23, the Proverbs writer would say, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, your heart, your mind, springs the issues of life. Are we protecting our mind? Man, we protect ourselves sometimes, don't we? We, we take care of our bodies sometimes. So we talked about a moment ago. We wear our seatbelt. We make sure that our house has the smoke alarms and things. But yet we let our minds go by the wayside. Sometimes we protect our kids. We give them phones so that they can call us. We, we make sure that they're careful in all the things that they do. We forget to protect their mind. We have a mind, a heart that God has blessed us with. Are we being a good steward of that? Filling it with the good things instead of the bad things? Taking advantage of the knowledge that we have? To take advantage of those opportunities that we have? The abilities that we have? We need to be good stewards of our mind. And then finally, for this particular point, what about our Bibles? 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1, we talked about just a few moments ago, that we would be stewards of the mysteries of God. We might could just go ahead and insert there. Stewards of the gospel of Christ, the word of God. What are you doing with your Bible? What access we have, right? It, it, no matter where I sit, it's interesting. As I study during the week and, and from time to time at home, I sit in my office at home and sometimes come here, but, but sometimes I'm sitting on the couch or maybe even laying down in bed at night. Oftentimes, even on Sunday night, I'm already thinking about the next week for just a moment. Do you know that wherever I am, I can access a Bible? Whether it's the office and my computer whether it's on the couch with an iPad, whether it's laying in bed with my phone, I have access to God's Word. What am I doing with that? How far are we going to be good stewards of our Bibles? You know, it's hard. It used to be hard maybe to get Bibles everywhere. And in some countries it still is where they limit access to the Internet and things. But it's much less of an excuse now. Are we being good stewards of our Bibles? I kind of thought about a few final points I'd like to share with you to try to consider stewardship for just a moment. We've talked a lot about it, and I think hopefully we have a better picture of what it really means to be a good steward. But a good steward understands three things, and the lesson will be yours. Number one, a good steward gives to God first. If you have your Bibles, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Some final points here to help us in understanding about what it means to be a good steward. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the churches of Macedonia were models of generosity. <clears throat> Excuse me. As Paul is writing to those in Corinth, he references the churches of Macedonia. Beginning about verse number 3, he says that they, according to their ability, and notice what it says, and beyond, they gave. This is the example. If we would put the picture up in the dictionary, the churches of Macedonia would be it. But notice verse 5. Verse 5 is the key to understanding this principle. 
Paul says, and not only did they give as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. If you want to be a good steward, you need to understand that it involves giving yourself to God. Fully committed to God means fully committed. Many people say, I'm a Christian, I'm committed to God, but they're not fully committed. If you're fully committed to God, guess what that means? That means your body. That means your mind. It means your time. All these things we've already talked about. And yes, it means giving yourself wholly and totally to God. Giving to God first, not just from a monetary sense, but if you give to God first, you're going to be a good steward giving to other things as well. Fully committed, everything, all your things. The clothes that I have, I'm going to be a good steward. The food that is in front of me, I'm going to be a good steward of that. If there's leftovers so that I can give to someone else, I'll do that. I'll be a good steward of the food that I have. I'll be a good steward of the electricity. And yes, I'm preaching as a father who walks around turning the lights off all the time in my house. All right, sorry, I may get on my soapbox for a minute. But yeah, we joke about it around my house. But the electricity, the water, all things fully committed. If I think about that it really belongs to God, then I'm going to be committed to Him. I'm going to give myself to Him first. And certainly I'll be giving to these other things. Number two, a good steward, when we think about being a good steward, it involves doing. In Luke chapter 12, in verse number 43, Jesus, in continuing to talk about this, says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse number 10, Peter would write, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 25? We've not even touched on it yet, but in Matthew 25, we find the parable of the talents. That's usually what we think of when we think of stewards or stewardship. And we bash on the one talent man. Why do we bash on the one talent man? What did he do? He did nothing. He did nothing. Master, I went and hid your talent in the ground. I'm not asking if you've got this much ability or this many abilities or if you've got this much opportunity or this many opportunities. You've been blessed with some. What have you done with it? Are you doing nothing? Are you hiding in the ground? Or are you doing things? It may not be much, but it's something. If we want to be a good steward, it's going to involve doing things with what God has blessed us with. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'll be honest. We, we joke about it, but when you think about even the food that we consume, if you can set some aside, if you can maybe consume a little bit less, or you can make sure that you don't waste food and then you can take it to someone else who would be encouraged by that, that's going to be encouraging. It's going to be a good thing. We don't think about that when we think about all of our stuff, but when we're good stewards of everything, when we're fully committed and we're doing, we're on the right track to being a good steward. And third and finally this morning, in this particular point, we must be found faithful. We've mentioned 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1 already, but 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. Moreover, Paul says, it is required, required in stewards that one be found faithful. That one be found faithful. Look, we can sometimes quibble over things. We can sometimes argue about words and what they mean. But if we're all being honest, I think we understand what it means to be found faithful. If we're really being honest, we know when we're being faithful to God. So we must be found faithful when it comes to being a steward. And remember again the parable of the talents. Matthew 25 and verse number 30. The unprofitable servant, we might say the unfaithful servant, 
cast into outer darkness. We must be found faithful in all of these things. So I tell you again, or I ask you again, it can be considered a season of stuff, a season of things. It can also be seasons greetings and seasons of merriment and being with our family. But maybe it would help us to think about a season of stewardship this morning. How are you doing with being a good steward? A good steward with your money, a good steward with your food, a good steward with your stuff, with your mind, with your abilities. And hopefully this is something that we'll consider not just during this season of life, during this month, but all throughout our lives. And here's the thing. Here's the final thought. God is counting on us. He's counting on us. He has richly blessed us with so many things. He has entrusted us with valuable things because He believes in us. He's entrusted us with these things that we might use it to further His purposes. We can do that with our stuff if we're being good stewards. So I challenge you this morning to consider that, not only this month, but all throughout your life, that you be a good steward of all the things that God has richly blessed us with. As we conclude our lesson this morning, we extend the Lord's invitation. It is common as we are gathered here together, it's beneficial that we would ask you to think about your life. You see, you can't be found faithful to God, in a sense, unless you're first a child of God. Maybe there's one here this morning who has never put on Christ in baptism. It's the greatest decision that one can make, the most important decision, because we can come in contact with the blood of Christ, which washes away our sins. The Lord will add us to His church, and then we can begin to live faithfully. But you can't live faithfully, of course, unless you are in Christ. We're thankful for that opportunity. If you're here this morning and you want to know more about that, we would gladly study with you. If you're watching online and you want to know more about that, please reach out to us and allow us the opportunity to encourage you to take advantage of the most important thing, the blood of Christ, that you can be made whole and be faithful to God and be added to the church. Maybe you're here this morning, in times past you've done that, but you've wandered away, even as Gabe prayed for us and for our family members about those who we're concerned about, who have turned their back on God. Maybe you're here this morning, and that describes your relationship with God. You don't have to leave with worry on your heart or on your mind. You can make your life right with Him by repentance, confession, and prayer. You can be restored. You see, we assemble here together to worship God, and we assemble here as well to encourage one another because we want everyone to be found faithful. And whether you need to become a child of God or come back to Him, we'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.